Hey everyone, excited for this week's episode with Natalie Louie. We unpack cross-functional work and what it takes to become a cross-functional momentum maker, which is my favorite words, multiple words, to describe the work that product marketers do when it comes to working at the intersection of a lot of teams. It's a really, really fun episode. Natalie is super insightful, not just about this topic, but really all things product marketing. So stay tuned, really enjoyed our chat. This podcast is a partnership with Sharebird. Sharebird.com is a peer mentoring platform. It's the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with your product marketing career. There's so many great resources, really good job board, awesome site. Check it out. If you have any feedback or any questions, email us at podcast at sharebird.com or connect with me on LinkedIn and shoot me a DM. Just over the last like few weeks, month, I've gotten some really awesome messages from Vijay and Alex and Lorraine and it gives me a ton of energy to see how much you all are really valuing the show and how it's helping you in different and interesting ways. So please keep that coming. I love to see it. I love to hear from you. And it's just great to connect with folks and have a conversation. So if you listen to the show, please let's connect and uh, shoot me a DM. I love to hear from people. Shout out to our sponsor, Crayon. If you weren't familiar with Crayon, Crayon is an awesome tool for PMMs. Crayon analyzes market trends for you and makes acting on insights easy. This means dynamically updated sales battle cards, alerts, dashboards, much more. Crayon is a great tool for marketers looking to maintain differentiated messaging, improve sales win rates, catch important updates from competitors, and much more. Check them out at crayon.co. All right, let's go. Hello everyone and welcome to the Product Marketing Experts brought to you by Sharebird. I'm your host Marcus Andrews and today we're diving deep into cross-functional work. I like to say that a great product marketer is a cross-functional momentum maker. We align groups, ideas, and help separate teams with different goals get energized and focused around the product. The role is called product marketing. We've literally got the name of two teams in our title. And while we usually roll up to marketing, we spend a lot of time with product and of course sales and CS and marketing and you name it. To do product marketing really well, you have to build strong relationships across the company. You have to know how the machine operates. You have to be able to influence and motivate others even if you're not their boss. You need to be able to build consensus and get shit done all while moving quickly and having an impact. This is not easy. And it can take years and years to really figure out how to do it well, but we've got a product marketing expert to help out Natalie Louie is the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Zora, the leading cloud-based subscription management software company, where she leads a team of PMMs and owns positioning and pricing, competitive intelligence, much more. She's perfect for this one. Natalie, how are you doing? Hi, doing great. Thank you for that introduction. Very excited to have you. So tell me about becoming a product marketer. How did you get into product marketing in the first place? How did you make your way to Zora? Yes. So my first career was in finance in New York. And I always wanted to make a move into tech. And so I moved out to the Bay Area, did my own startup. And that's where I first learned about product management versus product marketing as we were building our own um, software team. And then from that, I decided I want to go and work at a bigger tech company. Doing a startup was just my first foray to skip business school and not rack up debt, but rack up some learning. And someone actually identified it in me. I was interviewing for another position at a company and they go, you'd be great for product marketing. And I said, okay. And the next thing <laughs> you know, I'm a product marketer there at responses. And I'll never forget that because 
if someone didn't point that out to me, I don't know if I would have known that because product marketing isn't something I learned about in school. It's not yeah. something someone told about me. There weren't all the resources that there are today. And I fell into it. Awesome. Well, you owe that person like a dinner or something. Hopefully they're, uh, what a nice, helpful soul there to point you in the right direction. Yeah. And, and then after that, I ended up becoming um, one of the first product marketers on a team reporting up to the VP product marketing at Responses. And Oracle acquired them. And I hung on there for six years, just earning my stripes in, in different areas of product marketing from messaging, positioning, creating content, doing webinars. And I started doing pricing and packaging because that came easily to me with my finance background. And mm -hmm. then from Oracle, went to a startup and then eventually came to Zora because I'm a subject matter expert when it comes to pricing strategy. And so Zora combines that love for me of product marketing and also pricing and packaging strategy all wrapped up in one nice, neat bow. Nice. What a great fit for you. That's perfect. Okay. So I talk about this thing called narrative design, where I think it's super important for companies to take a hold of story and write it themselves versus having it thrust upon them by the market or whatever. Uh, and so we were just talking about this before we started the podcast, but Zora is famous for your strategic narrative. Andy Raskin uses it as the example in that Medium post, the, the world's greatest pitch deck or something like that. Can you tell us yeah. about how does narrative, like why is it so important at, at Zora? What does that mean for you as a PMM? Yeah, the greatest sales deck. Part of the reason why I came to Zora when I was thinking about my next career move was because there was no other company where the CEO is a product marketer at heart. And you can tell that because of the, the greatest sales deck that's out there. He's a storyteller and the narrative is really strong. So I knew coming here in terms of being a product marketer, you'd be in a first class seat, you'd be highly valued and people would appreciate the fact that the story, the messaging, the positioning is really important. And here, even our CEO, he'll look at our messaging and he'll give us feedback. I had a, a five page messaging document for a product launch and he gave me six pages of feedback. This was during COVID, so we couldn't see each other in person. And it was over six pages of feedback. And so that's how engaged and how important storytelling is here. Because we as a company, we know why our product is important. It's why we build it. It's why we've got customers. But not everybody knows that. And so I remember I was working on a product launch and putting that story together and testing it, iterating it. Our CEO was taking it and saying, okay, give me an email. I'm going to go test it with a CFO. And the CFO pushed back and said, I'm not ready right now. And instead of us saying, okay, that company's not ready, mark that in Salesforce, our CEO said, hey, Natalie, the messaging isn't right. It's not resonating. You need to go back and work on that story and that narrative to get their attention. And so that's how we view it, where we know it works and we know people should have our software. But if we can't tell that story and connect with other people, that's on us, not the company not being ready. It's because we didn't articulate the story correctly and get them bought in. Absolutely. That environment sounds awesome. Like what a cool place to work as a PMM to have that buy-in from the CEO and just that must just permeate the culture, right? So that's great. And also just hearing you make some really smart decisions about choosing a company, which, you know, one, you have the subject matter expertise already, and you were thoughtful enough to go somewhere where they took your work seriously and you'd have that first class seat. I think that is, those are two pieces of advice that are good for folks to hear just because they're really important when trying to figure out your career to set you up for success. Yeah. It took me a while to figure that out. I would say when you're beginning your product marketing career, based on the companies that are looking at you, you'll take the one that just best fits you know, your profile because you haven't built your skill set yet. Your toolbox is probably empty. You haven't built all your different superpowers and added a lot of tools yet to your toolkit. 
So I remember I was taking, okay, whatever job I can get in product marketing, I'll take. I luckily landed with a really strong product marketer who is actually the head of marketing here. So my first job, who I reported to, I now report into his org. And so we re-teamed up here, Kyle Christensen. So it's funny how the product marketing um, community is really small. And when you've got the right training and you've proven yourself, you end up working with the same people. But I've been in companies where I had to explain what product marketing does because maybe the VC told the company, okay, you need to hire a product marketer, but no one really knows what you do. You've got to explain it. You've got to tell people, here's the value I can add. But over time, I found that product marketing just as a career and a function is becoming more understood, which is great. And now people are looking for product marketers to go drive certain initiatives versus us having to say, okay, this is what I can do for you. So it's, it's great to see that change. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen it happen too. To your point, having a great relationship with people in product marketing, the community is small. And so I do think a lot of it is in terms of finding a job and advancing relationships are really important. So speaking of relationships, we can come back to the topic. That was my, my, my slick segue there. Speaking of relationships, let's come back to the topic of the show. So we're talking about cross-functional work, building relationships. Can you map out for me at a high level, like who are your partners in product marketing at Zora, when you look at your team, what are the key teams that you work with based on like your org structure or just how you go to market? Yes. And so the two biggest teams that we always support are the product team and the marketing team. And in fact, Zora used to, our product marketing group used to roll up into the product team. And it was because we had a more technical product, but just made more sense that we're under the product team. I find that products that aren't as technical tend to roll up into marketing. But recently we made the shift and our product marketing org now rolls under marketing. And I'm starting to just see that more, whether or not your product is technical, because how you do a product launch and how you work with your product managers, that relationship is really set in stone. We know how to do knowledge transfer, how to do a product launch. Product managers know how to work with product marketers. But when you look at marketing with demand gen and driving pipeline, that whole function and what they do is really changed with data, real-time data, insights, yep. AI, predictive. And so no longer is it like the madman era where this is what I know that they want. It's actually, this is what the data is seeing and we're reading it in real time and we're adjusting and pivoting in real time. So given the whole game has changed there, we really found ourselves working with our demand gen and working with our marketing team and campaigns team and field marketing a lot more than product management. I do think that modern day marketing teams will have product marketing under them because we can help really provide that strategic guidance on when you're looking at your pipeline, you're driving demand gen, that messaging or isn't resonating or that positioning or that persona we're going after isn't right or the TAM isn't, product marketers are the ones that own those areas. And so we can work really closely with the marketing team and kind of shift gears in real time as needed. Yeah, that, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I think you're right too. Just something you said when you first started talking was around how it's almost easier to have that relationship with product where the knowledge transfer and the meeting, like product is trying to tell everybody about their products anyway, at least at the HubSpot. They're good at that. And that kind of comes easy What's harder is staying synced up with marketing, making sure you're plugged into the machine. Goals is one great way to get alignment, right? And it's always a little bit tricky for product marketing, I think, because there's certainly things that we can do that we should be gold on. But a lot of times our work is dependent on other teams. How do you think about goals? Do you have shared goals with different marketing teams or product teams? Or what's your take there? What's the right way to do it? 
Yes, so we do have company OKRs and it starts with the top. On here are the corporate level OKRs, then here they are for the different functions and then it trickles down into our individual ones. And being a product marketer, a lot of people say, wait a second, product marketers don't own pipeline. And so how can you have an OKR around driving win rates, retention rates, or like say expansion revenue? But we can mirror those and we're really a team. So we're kind of a We've got a lot of team structure here at Zora. So even though we're product marketing, I'm on the manufacturing tiger team. I'm on another tiger team. There's all these different teams where cross-functional partners come together because we'll mirror each other's or adopt each other's OKRs. And together, all of us own the results, but we'll own different areas where maybe someone will own the tactics, like with demand gen, they'll own the tactics. Here's how we run our demand gen tactics. For product marketing, we own the strategy that we weave into the tactics, but together we all own the results. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the right way to do it too. That relationship between demand and product marketing is really interesting. I like how you guys are thinking about it. Product marketing is driving the strategy. I think demand is so much more focused and so much more product driven, which is good because that'll turn into higher intent demand. But also I think that, or at least I've seen in my work is that the, the demand team, they need product information and they need market information. And we can be super valuable to them to basically to help them with those tactics. Maybe it means writing copy. Maybe it means providing strategy, helping pick the right co-marketing partners, whatever it is. I think yeah. the, the collaboration there is really important. Yeah, because demand gen, they're focusing on launching and driving campaigns. And there's a lot that has to go into that, setting it up, getting the right tools. Everything's digital now. They're optimizing them to drive pipeline. They're looking at the results, porting it back. They're working with the SDRs and the AEs to launch those and managing large budgets for paid media, growth, SEO, organic, updating the website. So they're really busy with a lot of these tactics. And instead of them doing their best guess, product marketing then comes in to say, okay, we're the experts in the product, the personas, the competitors, if you're verticalizing, like we are here around the three verticals are manufacturing, media and entertainment and high tech and SaaS. We own the messaging, the positioning, what's our hypothesis and angle and story that we're gonna tell. And mm -hmm. so we can help really create that content and drive it but what I also rely on with my cross-functional partners is I'll own that initial messaging and positioning, but I need them to amplify it correctly. And so I'm almost product marketing my cross-functional partners. Are they able to use the content that I'm creating to go and amplify the message? Because I can't write every press release. I can't write every landing page. I can't write every email campaign or outreach sequence that goes out. So I rely heavily on my marketing partners from the content writers, the field marketers, PR, you name it, to go and take my messaging document and amplify it. And if that handoff something is wrong with it, that's on me, the product marketer. It's not on them. It's because maybe my messaging isn't clear or the way I gave them the messaging isn't working. And so I work with them to say, hey, if it's not coming through, if I read a piece of content they write and it's old messaging, I haven't done my job of updating them. Absolutely. And I think that messaging doc is, is a really good tool and like working through that just to focus on the tools for a second, you were talking about how you have this messaging doc that the CEO has been in and reviewed, which is great because then you can get ultimate approval on this doc and then you can give it to people and they can use it to do their thing, but you can also get feedback on it. Oh, okay. This isn't working for you because there's something broken with the doc. I just think it's a good tool. I like how you're talking about it. Yeah. That's like our Bible. Here's the yeah. messaging. Here's the positioning. 
And sometimes the product market that's created, it can explode and have all of your thoughts in there, but then it's not consumable. And so I'm actually going through one of my messaging docs now to say, okay, how do I pare it down to make it consumable for everybody? But everyone has access to it. Everyone can see it because if we've got to work with a third party partner or even consultant or someone internally, and they want to write something, I point them to this and that's our Bible. And I've been in meetings where our CEO literally pulls up my messaging document, will pull up my first call deck. And we'll go side by side. Is the story on point? Is the messaging on point? Is it resonating? That's a very important tool for product marketers. Cool. So what's the first call deck? That's like a sales pitch deck? Yeah. First call deck is the deck that we create that has the messaging that our sales mm. team can use. Now, there's a lot of conversation about it. Do they actually deliver that entire deck to the customer? They can deliver it in different ways and pieces. Maybe some of it's delivered on the phone or the email that they send. But I use that first call deck as well to train sales on here's a story. Let's bring them on the journey of why this is important. Take them through that story. But then once they actually go present something to a customer, let's say my first call deck was like 15 slides and they get a customer on the phone, the customer's not going to want to look at 15 slides. There's a couple of money slides that they're going to focus on, but at least that story's there to get them trained on telling the story correctly. And then they can cherry pick which slides they ultimately show to a customer on a real first call. That's good advice too, because, and we do something similar. Like earlier in my career, it was harder for me because I'm like, oh, I own the messaging. I'm going to create, I'm going to craft this wonderful story. I'm going to train sales on it. They're going to use this perfect deck that I made. And then they like tore it apart. They're like, what are you doing? No, but it's, I think that's it working. You've created all the building blocks and you've crafted this story and that they'll use it. And then they, they use it however it works best for the individual deal that they're working on, which I think is the whole point. But it's yeah. really interesting to hear how you use it. Yeah, I feel the same way. When I first started as a product marketer, I was create that first call deck and I literally took it for face value. Okay, that first call at the customer, this is what they're using. And mm. now that I've been doing it for a while, now I position it as here's a first call deck to really get you salespeople on board and understand the product that we're rolling out. But the deck that you're going to use, I actually have a different one, right? That's customer facing to say, here's a customer facing deck. And by the way, it's almost choose your own adventure. Depending yeah. on where the conversation is going, use these slides. If it's you know this, here's three problems. If they're more focused on problem one, use those slides. And we've even started customizing them with the customer's own data. And here's how you customize the deck. So you, the salesperson are now empowered to go and take the slides and craft it into a way that's going to work for that customer. Because you know the customer best, but I'm going to give you all the different options. So you don't have to go and create different slides on your own. And I interview sales to say, hey, what slides are working the best? Give me your favorite deck. Give me your favorite slides. I study them and then I mash it all up together to say, okay, here's the best and greatest. You guys pick what you want to use. Yeah, that's great. The idea of choose your own adventure, I think is super smart. Yeah, if there's any salespeople listening and you're, you want to challenge your product marketing team on building a good deck, see if they can figure that out for you because I think you're totally right. It's not one size fits all, but there usually is a, like a subset of scenarios and you can identify them. It's, 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 it's going to be one of these three th situations most likely. And then here's the plan or at least here's a way to approach it with the slides. It's yeah. really nice. And a way to do it too is you pick some of your top sales reps that are closing the deals and you just interview them. Hey, what slides are working? Tell me your money slide. Yeah. What's the slide that you always go to? And then I just collect all of those. And then that's cool. kind of how I begin. I like it. I like it. That is a really uh, smart way, I think, to approach it because those A players, they've figured something out. And a huge part of it is just trying to unpack what they've we've figured out. So let's talk about... How do you, what has worked for you? How about this? Let's start with the, some of the challenges, right? So we're super cross-functional. 
product marketers, you're working with a lot of different teams. What is challenging about that for you and your experience in the role? Yeah. As you're working with cross-functional partners, like I find in product marketing, we work with almost everybody. At some point in time throughout the life cycle of a product launch, you have all those relationships and people are different. They all have different working styles. So I almost product market all of my cross-functional partners like I do my customers. You build your kind of your ICP, you've got all these different personas. That's the same thing with product marketing when you're working with cross-functional partners. And you have to get to know their working styles. Some people, there's, it's, it's very seamless. We're pushing and pulling together a lot, really easy to collaborate. Some cross-functional partners, I've got to really go and hammer down the door. They keep canceling my meetings. They're just not engaged. So I've got to figure out different ways of how to engage with them because at the end of the day, if they're creating content that isn't using the updated messaging, that's on me. How do I get them bought in on what my messaging is? And it just comes down to building those relationships and getting to know them and talking to them to say, okay, I'm going to build this profile of this persona. And do I have to you know, talk about my personal life and build more of a personal connection? Are they more business? Like here, here's my template, fill it out. And then I'll get those website updates. I'll get those keywords updated. And so I have to figure out how those functions want product marketing to work with them. And then we wrap ourselves around their methodology. That's what I find works. And it's just over time, as you build a good relationship and they see that things are working and you're really there to help them, or you're not there to tell them how to do their job, but you're really there to help them and guide them and offer that strategy. And they see that and they see it working. I find that those relationships start working better. Yes, you do hit that situation where you're trying to work with a cross-functional partner it's going nowhere. You know, then that's when you start looping in their manager. But I usually give it multiple tries and I try multiple angles of working with somebody before I start pulling in their manager and start going higher up to say, okay, I'm having difficulty working with this cross-functional partner. I try to address it with them first before pulling yeah. in who they report to. Because you want to nice. give them a chance. Totally. I think it's smart. There's a balance there, right? Like you can build relationships and get things done, but certainly there's some places where it's just, there's a lot of friction or it doesn't there's where you, where you have to figure it out and to figure out, all right, this is, why isn't this working? Let's unpack it there. I want to recap that a little bit. Cause there's a lot of good stuff in there. And I love this question too, because it's like product marketing therapy. I hear you. There's all these different, <laughs> there's all these different personalities. It's oh, like sales yeah. and products and marketing are so different. And like the things you can say or can't say, it's like, it's, I feel you is all I'm saying. I'm sure other PMMs do. It's exhausting, but it's important to know the differences between, like you're saying, it's, hey, this team, I need to connect with them on a personal level, or this team is going to take feedback really personally. This team doesn't care at all about feedback. You can tell them whatever you think. It's, it's a lot, but okay. So that I think is great. But the relationship building tips that I heard in there, one, you've got these tools that I think you're educating people on. So you've got your messaging guide and your first callback. It sounds like, you're teaching people that these are the things that they should use. And I think that's a good expectation to set to help build those relationships because it's good for us to find scale too, because you can't do all the work. You can't write every press release. You can't do all these things. But also if every team has their own system, it's great if they know what your messaging doc is, they understand it, they know how to use it. So I think that is one big one. And then the other one is then just like also understanding how those teams work and like what they need from a 
personal level or what systems they have that you need to plug into. I think doing both of those things at the same time will help people a lot. Yeah, you actually brought up something really interesting that we haven't talked about yet. And that's about when we deliver it, that consistency. So for instance, we've got a team of 10, 15 different product marketing people. Now within our organization, we keep growing. And we ourselves, amongst the product marketers, we come together to say, when we deliver a messaging doc, let's make sure we use the same template and framework. We don't want it to yeah. look different. Because can you imagine the PR person opening up a messaging doc for every product or every vertical and it looks different every single time. We're making it hard on our cross-functional partners. So as a product marketing team, we really sync up on that. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll all get together because we've all had prior careers or you know, some of the more senior people and we'll say, hey, this is what really worked well at my prior company and we'll collaborate and we'll come up with a template we all agree upon. And then we'll go fill them out. And then we'll resync again to say, okay, let's review each person's template. In fact, we're doing this with our verticals. Each the three PMs that own a vertical, we all came together and we presented each of ours to each other. And then we said, who do we like the best? Which one? And we're like, oh, you know what? Anne's was the best. Okay. Let's use her template and everyone, even though, because the template can change a little bit, let's use the way she structured her template. And then we create that. So now when product marketers are giving content and doing that handoff over to our marketing teams, it always looks the same. They're not guessing, here's a template that we worked on. So we, the product marketers, take that burden of all that work instead of all of us running independently. And we try to bring that consistency in what we deliver so that it is more simple for our cross-functional partners. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think that you can cause a lot of friction by using different templates and stuff like that. And people don't want to do all that extra work. You don't want to, to have to think. It's just use the same tools, use the same structure, have all the same, everything's the same. When I'm talking to product marketing, it really removes a lot of friction from that process. And that will help you build, you know, yeah, a better relationship better reputation. I love that. It's really good. You're answering a lot of questions around how to, like all of this, I think is how you build a relationship cross-functionally with different teams. I think all this advice is really useful. What about with new, what about when you're onboarding someone? So let's say you've got someone who's coming in a uh, direct report, who's like a senior PMM or a PMM. So they're not super far in their career, but they're definitely, you know, they know the craft. They're coming into the company, they're new, they're trying to build these cross-functional relationships. Any way to like speed that process up or advice you give people or things you've seen that kind of help them start to become these cross-functional experts? Yeah, I create this onboarding doc that we're now using here. And I've had it at other companies too within product marketing. And it's this list of here are all the people that you should know. And I list it, I put in their LinkedIn links, I kind of group it into what group they're in and category, because there's so many, right? As a product marketer, you've got to understand sales, marketing, finance, or we're doing pricing and packaging. It gets hard to just understand the landscape. And then I go and I highlight the names that they should have one-on-ones with. And before my hire even starts, I go and I schedule those one-on-ones for them on their behalf. And I'm like, here are the nice. first people that you need to meet. And then once you get through that in your first two weeks, your next two weeks, you're going to schedule the one-on-ones with the second tier of people. And by the way, everyone else here is just good to know. And so that's how I get them. And, and I've already introduced them to the first set of people that are starting. I'm like, hey, I've got a new hire. I want you to work with them on this because I already know probably what products they're going to own or what areas they're going to own. And so I'll make sure that I schedule those one-on-ones and start building that relationship and start being their champion before they're even here. 
I'll also pull in some of those people on the interview panel. So by the time someone is starting, they've already met some of the key people on the areas that they're going to be focused on. And those people have either been a yes or strong yes. So they've got those champions already. And that's how I build that. And then once they get started is putting them on projects with these people that they've already met because I've already done the introduction and make sure they're successful right on their first couple of projects and working with them closely. My one-on-ones are not spent on, hey, what are you doing? It's been on the strategy. How can you do it better? Um, How can we develop you? How do you work with that person? Like, here's what I've seen and here's what I've seen work and not work. And I'm giving more guidance and strategy versus this laundry list of what you have to do because the to-do list they're what they have to do. That happens in cross-functional meetings when we're reporting out, but our one-on-one time is really setting them up for a lot of success and developing them, not only internally as a strong cross-functional product marketer, but in their own career as well. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I think that just that advice on one-on-ones is sound and then also just how you are scheduling those meetings for them and making sure that you're preparing the people they're going to meet with. That's I'm sure goes a really long way to help set those folks up for success. So I really like that. Let's talk about consensus a little bit. How do you feel? One of the challenges I think of product marketing is that we're super cross-functional. We're trying to get everybody motivated and aligned and excited around a product launch, for instance, and you're trying to get consensus about an idea potentially across a big group of people, that can be really challenging. It can be a bad idea sometimes. Often we're tasked with it. How do you approach that? Do you try and get consensus? Is it something that you've figured out in different ways? Do you care about it? Yeah, so my first product launch I did here at Zora, we had 90 cross-functional partners on the call. And that was my first time um, doing that product launch. I remember it. And I remember getting feedback afterwards. Oh my God, you did such a great job. How did you do that? And actually someone on that meeting scheduled a one-on-one with me to figure out how I did it. And what I did was, by the time I got to that first product launch meeting, where it was the first time everyone came together, I already met with all the stakeholders. Not all 90 of them, but I met with all the key people because as a product marketer, I already understand my stakeholders, my personas. I've done my own internal product marketing exercise and I've met with those people to show them, hey, here is my product launch document. Here are the areas your team's going to own. Are you okay owning this? Here's what I'm going to talk about. Here's what it's going to look like. So I've already had all these micro meetings leading up to that. And I really used that as, okay, cross-functional meet partners are now together. Here's how we're going to work going forward. We're really going to use these calls to report back. But I already had my one-on-one meetings leading up to that. And I got this career actually when I was in finance and I was a few years into my finance job. And someone told me, they're like, you know what women do wrong versus men? And I was like, what? But like women show up to the meeting trying to get buy-in. Men have already got buy-in before they show up at the meeting. Someone told me that. This was when I was at a hedge fund. And I was like, that's genius. I will never make those mistakes again. And so coming to tech, I did the same thing. I was like, I never go into a big cross-functional meeting without already getting buy-in with a lot of key people. And so it goes really smooth. You're not presenting these new ideas for the first time, because usually people may respond negative. I've already worked that out leading up to a big meeting. It doesn't have to be with everybody. You got to figure out who are the key stakeholders. Maybe you've had someone that just always shoots down your ideas and it's not you. That's just the way they operate. I know who those people are and I've got that list in the back of my mind. I will meet with them before a big meeting because the last thing you want to do is that they start shooting down an idea and then other people jump on the bandwagon. It's always the first person that has to break the ice. Everyone's like, oh yeah, I was kind of thinking the same way. That should be figured out. And that's the magic of a product marketer. You're iterating, you're getting feedback, you're interviewing people, whether it's your customers or cross-functional partners. 
Really good advice. I like that. Don't go into the meeting trying to get buy-in, get buy-in before you go into the meeting. I think that's super smart. And then the other part of that I'm hearing is that this is this was what you're saying earlier. You have to know the, the the quirks and how people approach stuff because if there's an executive or someone who like you said, like is they're gonna poke holes in your in your pitch or your idea, and that's not it's not negative. That's just where they are. If even if they do it in the meeting, as long as you're prepared for it, if you've talked to them beforehand and you say like, all right, okay, I know the things that you're gonna poke at. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna work on those, and then before I come back to this meeting, that's important. That's really good advice. I've seen it work too. I don't do it enough. I feel like that's a it's a real cheat code to make sure those big cross functional meetings go well. Because if they don't go well, then then it's such a big forum. But it's really good advice. You brought up a point. You're talking about executives. When it comes to more senior level executives, you can't meet with them one-on-one. They probably have an Mm. executive assistant you got to go through. They're really busy. Like, I'm not going to get that buy-in. But I know the people that probably report to him or the people in the meeting that he'll be listening to. And so I'll try to get buy-in from those folks before. Or it's, hey, what do you think, whatever the executive is, may poke holes at. And so I make sure that I've thought about it and I have an answer. In case it does lead down that way, I've actually thought about it. And oh yeah, we did think about that problem and this is what we think. So the fact that you've thought about it goes a really long way, especially with executives. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Cause yeah, you're totally right. Like the executives, it's harder. You're not going to get that time with them beforehand, but you can talk to their people. You can understand the things that they really care about and yeah, I'm going to go in and address those before and make sure you're prepared for it in the meeting. What do you think about product marketing right now? Is it a good place to be? Are you positive on the outlook of the product marketing career? Yes. I feel like product marketers just as a function are so strategic. You're so cross-functional. It can really launch your career to jump into other areas. And with the organizations like ShareBird, I'm seeing product marketing just be more organized, a lot of more content out there, meaning that companies that are hiring product marketers, they really understand the value that we can unlock and the benefits that we can bring and how we can go and stitch together information from all these different groups and different people and surface different strategies, ideas, you know, how to talk about the product. And I think it's a great space to be in. I would say before you saw a lot of product marketers that had former careers and then that switched over. But now for the first time, I'm seeing product marketers have internships from college that are graduating. I hired a product marketer on my team. He did product marketing as an intern for two years. I've never seen that before. It's usually (laughs) been the profile of, oh, they did consulting, finance, product management for two, three years, and now they switch into product marketing. And so just as a function, it's really growing and you're starting to see product marketers become the CMO, the CEO, yeah. becoming that uh, step forward into a C-level um, executive seat. I love that. Those are two great points that, yeah, how early people can become a product marketer in your career is totally new. And then, yes, I think more and more CMOs with product marketing backgrounds, who they know the product, they know the market. They know the customer, they know how to tell stories. That's the profile that's getting promoted. Anything you want to tell our listeners about? Anything you got, got going on at Zora or just in general that you want people to know about? Oh, yeah. We are looking. I just, I had an open head count, but we just almost filled it. But we are looking for a consultant that has a strong background in competitive intelligence. And so we've got a dedicated product marketer that owns competitive intelligence and needs some more consulting help. We often convert a lot of our consultants to full-time. That's happening. We're trying to work on some year-end budget approvals, but keep looking out because we're only growing our team. During COVID alone, we tripled our team. 
And most of the people on the product marketing team, I've never met. And so we're growing. (laughs) We're only going to be growing more going to 2001 and 2002. I'm constantly, me and the other product marketing leads are adding people to our team. Stay in touch with me. Find me on LinkedIn. Don't be a stranger. Awesome. Very exciting. Glad to hear things are going good and you've got some open roles. Find Natalie on LinkedIn and connect with her. And uh, this was a joy. Thank you so much for um, coming on the show and chatting. Yes, this is a lot of fun. Thank you.